Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and today we are going to talk with David Gandelman. So I'm sure most of you already know, I tell you all the time, I love having different guests come on the show and share their stories with us, partially because I think it reminds us that we're not on these paths alone. And when we hear what other people have grown through, it reminds us that It's just all part of the process wherever we may be on our own journeys and knowing that it is a practice and it just requires us to show up and to try. And so I was really looking forward to this conversation with David because his work focuses on meditation and intuition. And I know so many of us have a goal or an intention of amping up or becoming more diligent in our practice for the new year, right? We say we're going to give ourselves more time, more attention to developing whatever it may be, whether it's our Reiki practice, our meditation practice, our intuitive development. So one of the beautiful things in this is it helps us to become more confident with whatever our practices may be. But these beautiful tools also support us in understanding ourselves in deeper ways and also lend to how we see the world, how we perceive things, helping us to come deeper into compassion and just being able to um, function more from states of peace and clarity. So David is going to share how meditation and intuition have become important aspects of his own spiritual development, and in that, you'll hear some ways that you can deepen your own practice too. So David is the founder of davidgandelman.com. He also hosts another podcast called Energy Matters. He will share um, a bit with you about why meditation has become so important, how it can support you, and again, as well as intuitive development. And his journey started when he was 16, which is very interesting. You'll hear more about that. But I love this story because it really highlights you know, how important and powerful these tools and techniques can be for younger people as well. So David is an intuitive reader and healer. He spent over seven years living in Hawaii, training and teaching in the intuitive arts. And having done thousands of readings himself, he created a unique style of communication with an incredible ability to see energy. David currently resides in LA, and that's where he teaches meditation. He also has a meditation school online and again, supports people with intuitive development. And in the conversation, we actually found out that we share a teacher. We had um, one of the same teachers for our intuitive development. So anyway, I am really looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you want to learn more about David and his work, be sure to visit davidgandelman.com. The website link is in the show description. And don't forget to get your free gifts by signing up for my newsletter at theenergeticalchemist.com. I look forward to working with you and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, everyone, welcome to Reiki Radio. Today we have a special guest, David Gandelman. David, I want to first of all thank you so much for being here today. 
I'm so it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, well, I'm really thankful that we get to have this conversation about um, meditation and intuition because they're two topics um, that I personally love and have supported my own practice so much. But one of the things in reading about your work, a lot of focus on the importance of being diligent in our practice. That was one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about today that we can hopefully inspire the listeners. So I wanted to just start off with asking you first, if you can share with everyone a little bit of your background, the work you do and how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the short version, I'll, I'll tell you the long version. I was born a Sagittarius. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> um, the short, the, the short version is when I was 16, I, uh, I picked up Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and started, and, and something in it just woke me up. It was like I read two pages of it. By the end of the first chapter, like my whole life had changed. It was like a light bulb had just turned on inside of me. And yeah, I was 16. I grew up in New Jersey on the East Coast outside of New York City. My parents were not spiritual in any way at all. I had never heard of meditation before. It just, when I did hear of it, when I read about it, all of a sudden it was like something deep in my soul woke up and I started meditating deeply and reading and reading and exploring. And I would go onto the websites of ashrams in India and like salivate, wishing I could go live in one in the Himalayas. And so the best I could do is I, I went to college and I majored in philosophy which was like the closest thing I could find to what I was interested in. And I, you know, I studied religion as well. And then eventually I did move to the Himalayas. I did live in an ashram. I did that whole thing. Um, it fulfilled something in me. Wait, wait, I have to ask you because I don't know that I've ever spoken to someone who had come into this work at such an early age and I am so curious about the younger generations now having more access to this and being raised in it, so to speak. So I have to um, ask you, what was that experience like coming in to this at a young age? Like, did you feel that you were observing or having that teenage experience differently than the people around you? Or were you able to kind of interact with both worlds seamlessly? Yeah. I I was able to interact with both worlds, and I think because I was a very social person already before it happened, so I was always captain of the hockey team and had a nice group of friends. Um, I wasn't isolated in any way, and so I, I think I had an easier time than some other people that have a spiritual awakening. Right. It did definitely create some space like from my, from my friends and from the rest of my world, I realized nobody else was into this. Nobody else was interested when I talked about it. Everyone's like, you're a weirdo. Uh, so it did create that difference in me, but I would say overall, it was a huge net benefit. Like my grades went up when I started meditating. Uh, my hockey skills got better. I met a great girl that I started dating. I got into college. Like, if my life was a stock chart, like when I started meditating, like everything went up. And it was, it was so profound because, you know, I, I was able to focus better. I had, I started realizing what my values were, started asking those bigger questions and having deep conversations with adults that were 20, 30 years older than me. And I think all of that gave me a little bit of an edge. A lot of, I think a lot of students, a lot of young people, like I, I just went to speak 
at the college I went to at Rutgers University for an alumni panel. And I spoke to a lot of these kids, 18, 19, 20 years old, no idea what they want to do, no idea why they're on this planet. They're, one of the kids said to me, I think I might do marketing. And I was like, all right, well, why, why do you want to do marketing? He's like, because people told me like you can easily get a job in it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that's not a good reason. <laughs> and it, he just had no clue. And right. uh, for me, I was super lucky that I was so interested in something when I got into college. I didn't know what career it would turn into. Like the career you have and the career I have didn't exist uh, 20 years ago. And, and so I, all I knew was I was pulling on like this intuitive thread of, I have to do this. This is what feels right. I need to follow this path. I had no idea where it was going to lead podcasting didn't exist. Apps didn't exist. You couldn't really be, even be a meditation teacher in the normal sense that it's so popular. Now I live in LA and you're in San Diego and so like it's everywhere. Uh, and so it was, that part was hard because everybody else was like, when they graduated college, they started getting jobs. And I was like, I'm going to go live in India and figure this whole life thing out first. <laughs> well, okay. So I have to ask you about that. So you obviously had this beautiful benefit of having that alignment with yourself and, you know, really tuned in with your intuitive guidance through that practice of meditation, but then, okay, so it led you to India. So what was that experience like and how did it feed into your practice and just even who you were becoming? Sure. So that was the, when I got to India, it was really the first time I had any exposure to anyone that was interested in meditating other than me. Um, first time I met any teachers and first time I met people that were like, like me, you know, almost like more of my tribe. It's like, well, you're interested in those bigger questions and into spirituality and enlightenment. This is, I was, I was like in my theme park, you know? <laughs> and so what happened was though, I, when I was young and I majored in philosophy, I was very intellectual too. And even though I had these deep kind of spiritual awakenings, there was still a part of me that was very intellectual. I had spent four years reading philosophy books. And so I would go to a lot of these gurus and teachers, and I would just intellectualize what they were telling me. Mm -hmm. I would just, I wouldn't really own it and understand it for myself. And I would give these teachers all of my power. And I would think, oh, because this guy has a beard, he must know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally spent a lot of time going guru to guru and just being like, oh, you know the answer. You must know the answer. You must know the answer. Through that process, I, I was developing in a couple of directions, Vedanta, uh, Zen, uh, mindfulness, Buddhism, Hinduism. I was learning all of those from the teachers I was sitting with and the books I was reading and the people I was with and the ashrams I was doing courses in. So I was learning all of that. And I was immature in the sense that I just thought because this guy was older and had a beard and a robe of some kind that he was enlightened. And that was a big lesson for me of like, whoa, these guys don't have all the answers. Right. Uh, they might have some, and some of them are fake and some of them are great. Uh, and I, there was a growing up process where I had to learn how to find those answers for myself. And that's where I got into the intuitive arts. So I was sitting on the banks of the Ganges River and uh, a friend of a friend who was an intuitive healer, I didn't know what that meant, gave me a one-on-one -on -one session and just blew me away with what she saw in me when she closed her eyes. Mm 
And I was like, how did you do that, you witch? <laughs> like, where did you learn that magic? I thought I knew everything. I have this fancy philosophy degree and I sat with all these masters and, and, and you just looked into me the way nobody else ever has. And she was like, oh, I learned at this school in Hawaii. And, and so I literally bought a plane ticket. I moved to Hawaii. And the funniest thing, right before I went to Hawaii, I stopped at this palm leaf reader that someone had recommended that was like, this guy's amazing. I was like, he reads off leaves. I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. He's like, just go see this guy. So I went to see this guy and the guy, he does my, I just gave my first name before I got there. And then I got there, I gave him my name and my birth date, I think. And he, I don't know what he was doing. But he was like, oh, you're, you're going to move to a place like an island and you're going to work on a farm and then you're going to be an intuitive and you're going to be an intuitive teacher. And I was like, whoa, I already got my plane ticket to Hawaii. And when I got to Hawaii, the only place I could live and get a job was on a farm. Mm. So I ended up on a farm studying the intuitive arts and then being an intuitive teacher, intuitive healing arts teacher. And I was, it was... Seeing that palm leaf reader really was nothing but a validation for me. He was just right. like, yeah, you're on your path. Go, go along. And that was pretty beautiful. I, was, I already had the ticket in my hand. I was already going to do it. And well, it was- you bring up a couple of interesting things. So one, um, even back to what you're talking about being in India, the importance of discernment on this path, right? Because a lot of us have whatever our story of awakening is, but then there's this curiosity and we want to read and go to all the classes and do all of these things. But you kind of touched on it as well. And this is what I want to ask you about the importance of understanding through personal experience. So how the practice comes in and becomes the actual teacher for us. So what was that like whenever you discovered or started to come into recognizing the practice itself as being a teacher for you? I think it was a slow process, and I really don't think I understood that fully, fully until um, in my 30s. So I, I was in my late 20s. I was the director of this intuitive school in Hawaii, which is like a really in that world, like a big position to get yeah. and at a young age. And, and so people were looking up to me. I was managing a school of like a dozen or two dozen teachers and all of these students coming in and out in person online. And uh, it was a big deal. I was getting to do magic all day <laughs> and energy work. It was really cool. And so becoming a teacher running a center that needed to make money Start, uh, managing people, all of that started to make it more real. Relationships, heartbreak. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot of heartbreak and rejection. That started to make it more real. Right. All of the things I didn't know how to handle because I lived in an ashram and just meditated all day. Managing money, home space, all, you know, all of those things. I was like, oh, I'll just be in an ashram my whole life. I don't need anything. I don't need money. And then as you get a little older, you're like, oh, if you want to make your way through this world, you've got to understand all of these aspects that they don't teach you in Vedanta. Mm-hmm. All they teach you is that everything is an illusion and you have to wake up out of it. But then when you wake up, you're still here and you still have to manage the, yourself in the world. And so um, one of the things that I do now that I love is sometimes I'll be, I'll, I'll teach, uh, 
workshops and classes on entrepreneurship for people who work in wellness, because I feel like that's one of the ways where I learn as well. And I get to give back to show people, look, once you have this great ability, you can develop it in the world and get paid for it and, right. and build a life around it. So all of those pieces, like the real life stuff, I feel like is what helped me deepen into my own practice. Like when I teach, it helps me deepen into it. They say you learn twice when you learn something and then when you teach something. Yes. So becoming a teacher, I think, has made it much more real for me. Yeah, I say the same thing. I, I really appreciate um, having the opportunity to share. And you learn so much and just hold different levels, especially because you interact with people that have a different lens than you. So even their questions and all of these things cause you to go deeper into your own curiosity and understanding. Mm -hmm. But so there, again, a couple of things I want to ask you about what you shared. Um, The difference between, because you're saying living in an ashram, and I think about how many times people just wish they could run away from life and just like be secluded and just meditate all day and just do the practice all day. But then there's that other side of recognizing how we can live in our spiritual practice, like here in the regular world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So could you talk a little bit about what that, the contrast of those experiences, like being just secluded and then how you found your way of living your spirituality. Sure. In the, in the muggle world. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) When you go outside or you go to a public park or somewhere and you look at all everybody and you go, what are they doing with their lives? This is tripping me out. Yeah, yeah. I think a, a lot of spiritual people love people watching. It's like fascinating to see the human condition unfold. Yes. So for for me, I when I started on my path, I was very much I would say like out of my body. So I was always kind of floating a little bit. I was ungrounded. I wasn't very present. I loved being in the ethers in like high levels of thought and principles and ideas and concepts and so so for me living in the world started to mean being in my body right. and really being present and so we all have different challenges for me one of those challenges early on was like how do i make money and do what i love to do that was a major spiritual challenge for me that as i started to work with and understand better and get more successful at it really helped me ground uh, relationships was another one. It was a big spiritual challenge for me to be in the world, be in relationships and have that grounded. So I think at first on the spiritual path, and this happened to me and a lot of my students, all, at first you just care, you're all about energy. Like that person's energy is negative. That person's <laughs> ungrounded. That person has a weird, weird entity floating around them. You know, that person has trauma. Stay away. Everyone stay away. I'm going to hide in my house. No one come near me except my, my Reiki friends or my healer friends or my meditation friends who get it. Uh, I think that's a stage of growth where you're in resistance to negativity, unconsciousness, pain. You're in resistance to all those things. And then to really be in the world on a spiritual level, and what I've been working on you know, as part of my path, is learning how to be okay with all of those energies and even love those people and notice the parts in yourself where, you, where they light you up, where they irritate you, where they press your button and using those opportunities to grow. And, and so I think learning to not run away from the world and be in it has been a big part of my spiritual path versus 
living in the ashram. They both have their place, right? Like yes. if I didn't go away, I never would have learned all the things I did to be able to be grounded in the world. So it, it was helpful. Uh, and now I'm at this stage of life where I'm in it. I'm, I'm right in the middle of it. I go teach a class. There might be a whole group of students there. Some are crying. Some are asking really tough questions. You know, I have to show up. Um, and that is a really enjoyable part of life. And, uh, you know, you have to be grounded and present and practical. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. It reminds me of there was a a time years ago when I was in meditation and I, you know, sometimes you get insights in that space. And I kept hearing that. Um, I know, I don't know if it's in the Bible or just related to someone's religion. I don't know, but you know, people say, I think it was uh, Jesus, maybe the whole idea of being in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. And that phrase popped in my head and I understood it in a totally you know, different context. I was like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. But I'm glad you bring that up because that's something I actually talk about on the podcast a lot, more specific to the importance of learning to manage our own energy, right? Mm-hmm. So managing our own minds, our own energy, Um, really understanding ourselves in such a way that we can interact in the world without being afraid and labeling and judging everyone and everything around us, right? Having, developing that compassion and just a higher level of understanding. So um, a couple of things I want to make sure we touch on, because I know meditation and intuition are a big part of the work that you do and what you teach. So I want to start with the intuition leg. And just out of curiosity, the the method that you do, is it at all related to BPI method or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. um, Cody, my co-teacher, co-host of our podcast, um, he learned from the school in Berkeley, like back in the 80s, way back in the day. And then a bunch of people went off, created their own centers. One right. of them ended up in Hawaii. And so that was one where I, I got... There's one in San Diego. There's one in San Diego. Yeah. I, I studied so, there. Oh, you studied there. Yeah. Right. So we have a teacher where I teach here at the Den, Catherine Schiff, who I believe studied there. Oh, I studied with her. Yeah. She was one of my teachers. Yeah. How she, crazy. <laughs> we, teach, we teach together up here in Los Angeles. Wow. Yeah. Tell her uh, I said hello. I will, crazy. definitely. Cody, who, who's my co-host, he taught in San Diego as well, I think, or always long distance, but through that mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And, and so I, I did a lot of that training. I ran one of those centers. And then afterwards, I, um, I started to integrate a couple of my other practices and experience with some of those really great intuitive tools and just kind of developed um, my, own, my own thing, I guess you would say. And I try to always make sure that I'm teaching to the audience that I'm with and, and, and what it is that they need. Right. When I was younger, I think I, I thought like, all of you need to learn this, this really advanced psychic tool. <laughs> you have to have it. And then I realized, whoa, back up, back up. Not everyone needs or wants that. And you have to meet people with, you know, where they're at. Where they're at. But I love the intuitive work. I, yeah. it's, I'm a spiritual nerd. It's the chakras and energy and do different dimensions. And all of that is incredibly fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. I, but I want to ask you this, um, especially in relation to that, because I think a lot of people think about intuitive development and they think maybe it's only reserved for people who want to do psychic readings or that maybe already have a hint of knowing they're psychic. 
but there's, as you know, so much more to how it can support us personally in our own growth and these things. So can you just talk a little bit about how working with your own intuition has supported you in your own spiritual path and your growth? Sure. Yeah. Huge, huge. Probably nothing else has supported me more. Um, when, for example, if I wake up in the morning and I'm meditating, I might energetically look at the theme of the day. Like, right. what is the energy of today? Is it about healing? Is it about being grounded? Is it about being really practical? Is there a really specific energy that I need to deal with? Uh, or there's a big decision. Can I sit and look at it with my eyes closed and really get a deep answer? Versus finding an answer through an intellectual, just like, pros and cons argument in my head or trying to feel it, but it being vague. Mm -hmm. There are ways to get those deeper answers in a really clear way through meditation. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people will come to my class and they'll be like, I can't seem to find my answers. And it's because nobody's taught them really how to look. Uh, So that's been incredibly valuable to me. Um, and then energy-wise, dealing with energy in the world, right? You right. walk into a room and you just feel this like, oh, what is this negativity in here? Or, or you're talking to someone, a client or a coworker or a friend, and all of a sudden you feel icky and you've absorbed all the pain that they're in. And you don't even know what happened or how or what to do with it next. So those kinds of tools that I learned in practice have really, really helped. And then on a teaching level as well. So if I'm teaching a class, um, I've taught in front of hundreds of people. Sometimes they all want to jump in your head, right? Or, <laughs> or like know what you know or pull on you. Or maybe you say something they dislike and everyone throws psychic tomatoes at you. And how to manage all of that energy. How to read right. a room and recognize uh, what the energy of the room is. And how do I teach to this? How do I connect to this? Right. Well, I have to ask you about that too. Um, this other part, the other side of the intuition. And I have to say too, I always tell people that has been um, one of the best tools and practices in my practice, because I think it also helps us to just understand ourselves in a deeper way. You know, you just get this completely different lens of understanding um, what we're holding really again, like lending to that compassion of being able to see the world around us in a higher view and, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are just so many layers to why I think intuitive development can be supportive. And when we're working with energy, people who do energy work are often afraid of other people's bad energy or like what they may see or feel. And once yeah. you start to understand how to translate what you're seeing and feeling and having building that confidence and knowing how to manage your space, it's invaluable. So it truly is. It really, really is. But um, there was another part to this I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned the person who read your leaf prior to going to Hawaii Mm -hmm. and how validating that is or was. And so I wanted to know if you could just speak a little bit to um, how also going to people who may be intuitive and getting readings can be supportive and that it validates things to help us move along but that versus becoming dependent on someone else to tell you what to do. Cause I think it's a tricky fine line for a lot. Oh of yeah. 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 When, when am I going to have that baby? When is my partner <laughs> coming? When am right. I going to be rich? Tell me what to do. Yeah. Very, very, de- you can become very dependent on somebody else. Um, and so I think the intuitive arts get a, gets a really bad rap because of that. Right. 
really bad rap. There's a saying in law, the 90, 98% of the lawyers make the 2% good two of us who are good look bad. And I think that can honestly could be true in the like psychic realms because you'll see a lot of people people profiting enormously on like the street corners, just like charging enormous amounts of money for a few minutes and doing the opposite, literally doing the opposite of what it is that we teach and what it's about. It's not about me giving you an answer. It's about me validating where you are on your path, maybe helping you with an energy. Very, very rarely is someone on like step nine or 10 out of 10 and they're ready to hear like a really clear answer. Like that, that definitely does happen on occasion. It's happened for me. And then it's just been very validating. Often though, we're here as guides to shine a light on something just like a therapist would be or a counselor or a coach or a consultant, but in all these different ways. And we do it in a spiritual way. So for example, I was working with a woman once and uh, I closed my eyes and I started to do some work with her. And I said, well, you look super, you look super stuck on your life path. Like there's just, you're just stuck. And she's like, I feel completely stuck. And then I said, um, I said, do you, this is a kind of a strange question, but did you have a partner that passed away? And she was like, yeah, I, my husband passed away. I was like, this isn't even a stranger question, but did you guys have an agreement that you would die together? Mm. And she was like, oh my God, yes, we verbally agreed. She was in her late sixties, I would say. She's like, she said, we verbally agreed that we would die together and leave this earth together. Yeah. And I said, well, listen, uh, you're still here. He, he passed away and it's complete. I'm not here to tell you what to do. It's completely up to you. You can, you can die or you can continue to live your life. And I was like, what, what would you like to do to do? And she said, I would like to live. I was like, okay, so you want to change that agreement with his spirit. I think I said, that's totally valid. So let's do that in meditation right now. Talk to him and tell him. I'm sure he'll be very happy for you, for you to continue living. And as she did that, it was like this cloud of energy, of pain, of stuckness came off of her. And she started to shine and it was beautiful. Sometimes something miraculous like that can happen, you know, but it really depends on what energy the person comes in with and what they're ready to hear and what they're ready to work on. Everyone's at a, everyone's at a different level. So I had somebody else come in once and I had the hardest time working with them. Eventually I just opened my eyes and I said, why are you here? What do you want? What do you want? (laughs) God help me right now. And uh, we've all had that experience. If you've been in the healing arts, like, Oh my God, it's a brick wall. Yes. And the guy said, I just want to be famous. And I was like, oh, the price I pay for living in Los Angeles. And so uh, I said, you know, I asked him why. And he said, because I want to help people. And I was like, "Hmm, that doesn't look like what it is. Tell me deeply what it is that you'll get out of it. You know, I'll get people affirming me. I'll get... I'll get validation. I was like, oh, so it's not about them. It's about you. That's okay. Just let's get more honest. And, and I, you know, and then I could start to see more clearly. And I right. said, I, I see a really clear image. It's like, if I use my quote unquote magic here, <laughs> I can't anyway, but if I could, and I put you on top of Mount Everest, put you at the peak, your fame, whatever, um, you would not be able to handle the altitude and you would, it would make you sick if not kill you. And I said, if you climb up 
and get to the top, you'll have acclimated to the altitude of that energy level and you'll be able to handle, you'll be able to handle it. I was like, so you have to work for that if that's what you want. So I, I kind of gave him a choice, you know, in a sense. And he said, no, I just want it. well you know though it's funny you share that example it actually makes me think of this work and how many people just want whatever their perception of being at the top of mount everest would be like i just want to see stuff today i just want to be able to be magical today and it's like whoa okay and how important it is the progression and acclimating to the shifts and changes not only within ourselves, but again, like the layers that start to reveal themselves as we move along the path in our way, in our time, just Mm -hmm. steady as you go. So I want to ask you about this too. Now kind of pivot into the meditation part. The interesting thing about meditation I always tell people is it's really the foundation of every spiritual practice I've ever learned. I don't care if it was intuition, mediumship, anything I've ever studied, meditation was the foundation so could you talk a little bit about um how meditation in and of itself has been impactful in your life and then why it's something that you share and teach with other people yeah and and it truly is it truly is the foundation Mm -hmm. and i realized uh on my career path so i was teaching the intuitive arts and i was reaching a very small group of people as you know like when you do intuitive training there's like always like half a dozen people in your class and it's you're together for like two years it's it's a very long deep training and so i kind of backed up and i said let's go back to meditation this is the foundation of anything and everything we're going to do on the spiritual path right closing our eyes finding out who we are when i did that i started reaching hundreds of thousands of people and and i realized oh this is the doorway that everyone comes in through some people come in through stress some anxiety, some spirituality, some pure curiosity, some people to be cool, because now it's cool. It wasn't cool. Now it's cool. (laughs) If you don't meditate, you're not cool. Uh, All the the techies are doing it, you know. Um, And so I came in from, from like a, almost like a random awakening of spirituality. Uh, When I was a teenager, it was just it just happened. And, and so for me, it very quickly became the foundation, very, very quickly. And it's definitely made me calmer, more focused, makes, I would say it makes me feel more at home. Right? Yeah. You, you want, you, we all want to feel like ourselves. And when we don't, we don't feel good. When we're full of everybody else's expectations in our head and their judgments and their thoughts, you know, we become cluttered of, with energy. We don't feel good. And so meditation is sometimes shedding all of the energy from the rest of the world. And then, so we're just kind of left with us. And then when we clean the slate a little bit, then our answers could start to land. So for example, if we have 60 or 70,000 thoughts a day, maybe two or three are like golden thoughts. They're inspirational. They like can change our entire lives, but we don't really notice them or validate them because they're in a haystack of a bunch of crap. Right. And there's this quote from, I think, the philosopher Emerson. He says something like, in, our, in great works of art, we find our own alienated thoughts. It's like we see something someone created and we're like, oh, my God, I had, I had that idea. Mm-hmm. And then I just did nothing. 
And the reason we do nothing is because we're so busy in our heads, we don't realize the value of it. And as we start to meditate, it's almost like we sift through to find the gold. We start to be able to tell the difference, like this is a set of anxiety thoughts and this is a set of future worry. And here is like creativity. I'm sitting still and it's landing. My answer's landing. My inspiration is landing. And that has been extremely profound for me. So uh, essentially, my job is twofold. I'm a content creator and a teacher. So I'm often in this little room I'm in today, in my little sound studio, recording for apps I work with, uh, teaching on my my platform, Meditation School. I'm, I'm writing a book. So I'm, I'm creating all of this content. And to do that, I need to be able to go inwards. I can't just pull it from everybody else. I, right. you, know, you do to an extent, but you have to find your own. To do that, you have to meditate. If you're writing a song, you have to do that. If you're making art, if you're building a business, anything, you have to go inwards and find out what's really true for you and find a way to pull it out. And that is where I love meditation. It's such an amazing space to be able to go inwards and find out who you are and really pull something special out. Absolutely. And I actually, that's what I want to talk about next, the different platforms and offerings that you have and the classes that you have. And I have to say, um, with meditation, the same, I, I love, I think of it as like my time to just be at peace because we are so busy and I do the same. I create a lot of content and I do this, that, the third. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But this is like my, (laughs) I just have to come to like my baseline. And it's something I, over the years now, I look forward to it. Like I look forward to just that space and time to just be, just be in peace. Just that's it. That's all. That's all, Mm -hmm. all I want, you know? And, um, The other thing with that, I just want to share with people, and I talk about this a lot too. I think one of the best parts of meditation is when we're sitting in that space and you know, it, it takes practice to just sit. I mean, forget the, any other parts of it, like just sitting with yourself and Mm -hmm. just being able to do that. Right. But what starts to happen is we learn how to just sit, how to be still, how to redirect our thoughts, how not to freak out, all of these beautiful things that we learn just by sitting, then they apply and help us when we're interacting with the world. And I think that's the gift that a lot of people, it's like you just wish you could tell people like, listen, this will help you in life. Like imagine being able to manage yourself and have that line of clarity while you're interacting with the world. It's just, it's amazing. It is. I I had a client friend who said, um, you know, I used to meditate and it helped me be really productive and clear at work. But then I started taking uh, ADD medication instead. (laughs) And he goes, it works better. And I said, it works better for certain things, but you're losing out on something much deeper, which is that connection, that stillness. And it might not work better for being creative. It might work better for getting menial tasks done and focusing on you know spreadsheets but not on tapping into who you really are that no device no technology no person no teacher could ever do for you right. it's it's almost honestly it's almost like eating right nobody else can eat for you <laughs> nobody else can grow for you you have to do it yourself and it takes tapping into that still unmanifested place in you and um 
If you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not a regular meditator yet, don't sit there in guilt. Okay. <laughs> it takes time to develop a practice. So don't worry about it. Just sit and find a practice that you like that well, will make you feel good. Speaking of that, you have a couple of different platforms that I want to share with everyone, but one of the ones I want to talk about now, since we're mentioning meditation, you do have a meditation school. So could mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that? And is it in person? Can people join online? How does that work? Yeah, so it's all online. I teach live a few times a month. Uh, we go deep. We go into doing some healing work. We learn how to let go of energy. We learn how to sit still. We learn how to find our answers. Um, all of the tools that I've kind of learned throughout my life, whether it's from psychics in Hawaii or uh, meditation masters in the Himalayas or some really cool people on the West Coast of the United States and beyond, um, I've kind of synthesized all of that into my own style. And I, and I teach a different class, different topic every, every night we get together. So there's no, you don't have to join at a certain time or anything like that. Every, every time, you, even if it's your first night and it's like mid-January or March, we're, we're going into something new. Um, and I really give people the opportunity to recognize you don't have to just sit still to be an awesome meditator. It's really about tapping into your own energy. And if you're not able to sit still, then there's, then let's look at that. What is that looping set of thoughts that keeps coming back around, that theme that, uh, as Pema Shadron would say, the Buddhist monk, nothing goes away until it teaches us what we need to know. So I don't want you to come sit still and f- hold yourself hostage. Let's look at what's really bothering you and then let's use some tools to be able to shift that energy so that you can get an answer out of that and then it'll go away. Almost like a ghost that's like bothering you until you're like, all right, what do you want? And then you help it and then it goes away. Or like that oracle <laughs> or tarot cards that keep showing up until you create a shift. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's really cool. So I know within that, though, um, I looked at your site. And so in the meditation school, you focus on awakening, awakening spiritual abilities, healing pain that keeps you stuck, which that's a Mm -hmm. big one for so many of us. Um, Creating a disciplined practice, which again, we kind of touched on, but I would like to ask you more about that. But just happening in tapping into the infinite dimensions of our human spirit. And again, I, I've even said on the podcast, if I could only practice one thing, meditation would be it because mm-hmm. it hits so many layers that I think a lot of us don't realize until we come into the practice. So for um, everyone listening, can you just talk about the benefits of why, you know, you think it's important to be diligent versus just, you know, kind of oh, meditate if something's wrong. Cause a lot of people run to, uh, these different practices only when they're uncomfortable. Oh yeah, they only call me when they're having a crisis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> la- last week I had two CEOs call in total crisis. And I was like, well, if we started sooner. Right, right. <laughs> so you know what? But though, that's okay. If you're, yeah. if you're, even if you're listening to this episode out of crisis, that's fine. This is your doorway. It's all good. But it's just like exercise, right? If you do three push-ups a day, which in meditation translates to meditating two minutes a day, you're not going to get that much benefit. Like it's a start, but you have to tear the muscle to grow the muscle, which, and in meditation, what that means is you're sitting for 10, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, you're 
maybe you start crying, maybe you hit some seriously deep resistance, maybe you realize something you've been holding on to that you're ready to let go, and now you're learning the tools to be able to shift that energy, right. and you're and you've learned you've sat enough times that you know, oh. My, my body's telling me itch it or get up to go to the refrigerator or stop meditating, you know that those are cues that you should stay sitting because right. you've done this long enough to realize when it feels like you're the furthest away is when you're actually the closest. And only through that kind of diligent practice do you recognize those moments, sit through those storms, those energetic storms, and come out the other side so much stronger and so much deeper versus I'm going to watch my breath for three minutes listening to this app and then I'm out. Um, or do it once a week, right? You, you, you have to go deep if you want to get deep results. You yeah. don't go around digging shallow wells. You're never going to hit any water. You know, that's beautiful. And you just reminded me of just how simple sometimes it can be, like the, the shifts that occur. Um, a few years ago, so when I, about 10 years ago is when I found meditation and I started with a, a Taoist meditation class at the same time, Reiki and that simultaneously. But over the years, I've studied other types just out of curiosity. And a few years ago, I did this um, Buddhism meditation class practice training. And one of the things we had to do is, you know, when we would meet, it was literally all day thing. And you were just in and out of meditation all day. It was like, sit, okay, get up, walk around and sit. <laughs> it was just, mm -hmm. so uh, this one day, I just was irritated in my sitting, you know, and I was just like, oh, I'm so over this, like, oh, and my whole body was starting to like vibrate in discomfort because of my irritation. But it was like this moment of like, change your mind. And I was like, wait a minute, I actually like meditation. This is my place. So I started having this totally different conversation with myself and then, you know, change my perspective. And then all of a sudden I came back into just feeling at peace and sitting. And so, again, it's one of those um, invaluable lessons that we get out of that practice. And then it'll translate into life. So right. if you sit enough times consistently, all of a sudden you're not sitting and somebody mm -hmm. pisses you off and you let, it, you let it pass through or you react less or you just prime yourself for some kind of awakening, right? Yeah. I remember once I had been meditating a lot, a lot, a lot, and then I went out to dinner and I was with a group of friends and they were talking about politics or something, money, politics, I don't know. We talk about it at dinner at a restaurant with friends and all of a sudden I couldn't hear anybody speak anymore. I looked into my friend's right into one of his eyes so deeply and it was like all of a sudden everything was just one. Like I could see the energy in the room and how everything was connected and how everything was one. And it felt like an eternity. It probably only lasted like 10, 30 seconds, maybe yeah. 10, 10 to 20 or 30 seconds. And, uh, and then I came out of it and I was like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. And though, although it seemed like it happened randomly, it was also a fruition of me meditating a lot. Right. Yeah. Can, moments can happen to you if you sit. Oh, absolutely. And I think of, you know, joke all the time about things that I know without a doubt would have triggered me in the past. And I'll, you know, think people may say things or whatever comes up and I'm just like, oh, that's interesting. So much so that my friends tease me about always saying like, huh, that's interesting. But it's just a 
it neutralizes a lot for us. Yeah. Um, so you do teach meditation. You have the meditation school, but I know that you have other classes as well. You do teach intuition. You have a chakra class. Can you just share a couple of different things that people can learn? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, probably the, my biggest platform is on the app Insight Timer. Uh, it's a med- It's actually the most used meditation app in the world. People don't realize that i just saw that they people meditated on that app for 4.5 billion minutes last wow. year yeah and so uh, i have a course on there called uh the energetics of success and manifestation this is a 30-day course i have one called uh letting go of attachment uh, i do have a chakra course on dailyohm.com called the intuitive chakras um, and then me and cody we teach intuitive trainings like two-year-long intuitive trainings online. Uh, That's at energymattersacademy.com. And then I teach, actually just this morning, I scheduled to go back to uh, Cornell University on the East Coast. So if you're ever there, come sit for a class when I'm there. Um, And then I have a podcast called Grounded Sleep. So if if you need help sleeping, it's just me telling stories and then doing sleep meditations. Um, I yeah. could use that this week. <laughs> well, I'm going to make sure, of course, in case anyone's like, wait, he said a lot. I'm going to put the links to all of the classes and how to connect with you in the show description. So you, you can definitely connect with David. Just go down into the comments. But you also mentioned the podcast with Cody. So I know that you have um, a podcast called Energy Matters. Can yes. you just share a little bit about what is that podcast about? Sure. So that's an interview-based podcast similar to this one where we interview teachers, uh, spiritual teachers, guides, healers, people who work in, in wellness, um, all sort of authors, and we really dive into mind, body, spirit connection and and how to deepen and so it's for people who are interested in energy and interested in wellness and interested in meditation and definitely we definitely have a, a variety of guests. Uh, we've been going for almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to be able to share in this way with people. I mean, I'm sure it you is. have to agree. I mean, it really, really is. It's phenomenal that now, because back when I started to, like saying Reiki, people are like, what? What is that? And now people at least know what it is. And we get to connect globally. It doesn't matter where we are. We all get to interact in this way and really build strong community around this. So I'm yeah. so thankful that you came to share your work. And can you just let everyone know where they can connect and listen in to sure. Energy Matters? Sure. Energy Matters, uh, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can get everything I've mentioned if you just go to my website, uh, davidgandelman.com. Perfect. davidgandelman.com. Again, it'll be in the show notes. So I just want to thank you so much, David, for coming today, for sharing your insights with us, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Such a pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and go meditate. Yes, go meditate. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, love. Thanks. Okay, I just want to say very special thank you again. Deep bow of gratitude to David Gandelman for coming on the show today. Thank you for sharing your story with us, and it was such a pleasure having this conversation with you. I want to remind all of you again that you can learn more about David and his work at davidgandelman.com. Again, his website is down in the show notes and description. And if you would like to work with me or join me in the Alchemy Circle or even access some free gifts, 
be sure to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com. Again, that website link is in the show description as well. So I look forward to sharing more with you as we journey through this year. And remember to always journey in love.